And welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one prayerful page of Talmud every day. And in today's pages, 39 and 40, we begin the week. It is a Monday. It is appropriate to begin the week with a biggie. And today's question is one that resonates clearly and loudly. Why is it so important to make a bracha before a mitzvah and not say after? Here's what the rabbis have to say. Abayah said, the sages taught that the obligation to recite a blessing is dependent on custom only with regard to the blessing recited after Hallel. However, before Hallel, there is a mitzvah to recite a blessing, as Rav Yehuda said that Shmuel said, with regard to all the mitzvot, one recites a blessing over them prior to their performance. The Gemara asks, from where may it be inferred that the word over, which is the language for prior, is the language of priority? It is, as Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak said, that it is written, and Achimaatz ran by the way of the plain and overtook Vayavo the Kushite from 2 Samuel. Abaya said, it is derived from here, and he passed Avar before them, Genesis 33, 3. And if you wish, say instead that the proof is from here, and their king passed Vayavo before them, and the Lord at their head, from the book of Micah. This is very complicated and very intricate and very dependent on deep textual understanding. And so we have the great pleasure of summoning once again, as we do very often at the end and the beginning of each week, to help us unlock the mysteries of Judaism and its pleasures, our dear teacher and friend, Rabbi David Beshevkin, how are you? Leo, what an absolute pleasure to be discussing this passage with you, which plays a special role in my life because I still remember to this day learning this very passage and all of the accompanying commentaries with my teacher when I was in 12th grade. This is what we studied. The scars still have not healed. (laughs) The scars have not completely healed. Uh, And also the joys and the memories, but also the scars. So tell us, this is one of those passages that I love so much because they frustrate me so dearly because clearly the rabbis having at their command the entirety of the Torah, you know, really sort of try to interpret meanings and and halacha based on biblical passages. Tell us what's going on and, and tell us why they land on the side of reciting blessings before mitzvah. What this passage is trying to figure out, and it has a special relevance on the holiday of Sukkot, when we take the Lulav and Esrog, which we'll explore in a moment, but what they're trying to figure out is when exactly are we supposed to be making these brachot, these blessings that we make over our actions and commandments. And it's a strange thing because normally when we think about making a bracha, what's probably most familiar to our listeners is the notion of making a blessing, let's say, after you eat food, or some may know about making a blessing before you eat food. But it seems almost strange that you would need to make a blessing before you do a religious ritual, meaning the whole reason I'm picking up a lulav and esrog is because God commanded me to do so, because this is part of the cadence and rhythm of being a part of the Jewish people, why on earth would I also need to make a blessing? Meaning when I I eat something voluntarily, it kind of gives you a little bit of of a reminder, but why on earth are we doing this before we do our ritual commandments? Good question. And I yeah, and I think what this passage of Talmud is reminding us 
is what is the purpose of all of ritual life, that we have all of these movements, all of these times that we stand up, we sit down, we take things in our hand, and the Talmud is trying to figure out what is the role of the blessing vis-a-vis those actions. And I think what emerges from this passage is that a blessing, as it relates to a specific religious action, is that it is almost the soul of the body of that action. That we have all of these religious actions and behaviors that are so important, that build into us these values, these ideas, and these rituals. But without the bracha that situates it and explains its purpose, it is almost like a body without a soul. It is a vessel without a purpose. It is a ship or a voyage without a destination. And the reason why the blessing is so important deliberately before you do the action is because it is the compass that navigates what exactly we are doing this for. And very often in our religious lives, these actions become kind of just the the wallpaper that we no longer pay attention to because we've become so accustomed to it. And when we make a blessing, we infuse that soulfulness, that prayerfulness, and that reminder of what it is we are a part of. And that's why it is before we do it, because it contextualizes it. It invests that soulful intent and purpose into the actions that we do every single day. And this is particularly curious as it relates to the Lulav and Esrog. Because the question is, and almost like a trivia question, when should you make the blessing when you pick up a lulav and esrog? As you prepare to shake them? As you prepare to shake them. So normally, that's a good suggestion. The difficulty that is famously pointed out in Tosos that actually sheds light on what you may notice other people doing with their lulav and esrog is the problem is if you make the blessing after you pick it up and before you're ready to shake, you've already picked it up and the blessing's supposed to be right before the action. So if I've already picked it up, I've already kind of fulfilled the obligation. I've already fulfilled the mitzvah. So it actually sheds light, and this is why I'm mentioning it, on this curious custom that you may notice people doing, and that is they pick up their esrog deliberately upside down. Look around, go into different synagogues, and you'll notice that some people deliberately pick their esrog. They do it upside down. Why are they doing it upside down? Well, pick it up right side up and have the top of the esrog facing upwards. But it's this exact passage that informs that custom, which is we don't want to fulfill the mitzvah right away when we pick it up. So we deliberately pick up the esrog upside down so we can make the blessing when it's upside down. We haven't fulfilled the obligation. And then the moment the blessing is finished, then we turn the esrog right side up. So now you can fulfill the obligation and the action. And that way, the blessing, the intent, the prayer and the soulfulness is wedded directly into the action and the expression that fulfills it. Mm, so beautiful. Rabbi David Beshevkin, thank you so much for being our guest. My absolute pleasure. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please 
go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>